Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, Four Seas Around the World. This is our chance to hear from our four Charlies at different locations across the globe. A chance to hear about the different missions at each location. And a way to give our four Charlies a voice to discuss their unique roles at, across the AFMS. I'm Master Sergeant Jonathan Becker, Flight Chief at Whiteman Air Force Base Mental Health Clinic. And I'm Master Sergeant Vanessa Buecher, Flight Chief at Joint Base Anacostia Bowling Mental Health Clinic. Listen in as we get to hear stories about how our fellow four Charlies came into the career field, the different challenges they have overcome, and their goals on where they want their career to take them. We want to ensure people are able to get a better picture for how operations are at different locations and to also have four Charlies discuss some of the very unique missions out there to include SEER, different embedded positions, working at the brig, working with the MTIs, and other missions that are available to us in our career field. What we won't be doing is discussing by name issues with other members in our career fields, enlisted, off, officer, or civilian. And we will not be swapping stories about patients. So please tune in and hear about our four Charlie experiences. And let us know if you have any feedback for us, the hosts, or our guests. Thank you again for tuning in. Enjoy the show. All right, folks, we are back with another episode of Four Seas Around the World. Um, First off, I'd like to say sorry. It's been a little while, almost two months since we posted the last one. So thank you all for being patient. Um, there's just been a lot of a lot of life changes on the home front for uh, Sergeant Buker and I. So thank you for being patient with us. We have Senior Airman Bailey Hayes here with us from Luke Air Force Base. Thank you very much for joining us today, ma'am. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so not going to lie, uh, we were just, like I said, we were kind of in this, hey, we need to get some, you know, get, get it back going off the ground. Um, and we've been working on trying to get uh, younger folks to our career field in. And I saw your posts on Facebook and I jumped on that chance and I was like, hey, let's get her on here. So uh, thank you for, for coming on. Mm -hmm. uh, before we jump into it, um, and Sergeant Buker makes me do the shirt minute or the shirt second, whatever you want to call it. Um, one of the things that I'll just throw out there, uh, it, it, it does impact everybody, is there's been a huge push for um, demographic information collection regarding LOCs, LOAs, LORs. Uh, legal is asking folks to, to push that collection of information. And there's been a lot of discussion on the reason why behind that. Um, a, a lot of shirt councils, have been talking as to, hey, is this going to force people to not write folks up out of fear of, hey, it'll be perceived as racism? You know, why are they doing this? Uh, for those folks that have been around or that have been familiar with it, I kind of asked the question uh, whenever we had a MAGCOM panel with uh, Air Force Global Strike was, you know, similar to the Dodser system, right? Whenever, you know, there's a negative outcome and we have a suicide or a suicide attempt, we, we're filling out this long, drawn out, uh, report, I feel like it's a way to kind of look back and say, hey, you know, what happened here? What happened here? What could we have done here? And I asked the question, I said, why didn't we look at that approach um, versus just the um, demographic information? Not to say that there isn't people maybe being targeted because of their race. I'm, I'm not disregarding that whatsoever, but 
why not put in the comments for, you know, Article 15s and other things to say, hey, you know, Sergeant Buecher counseled Sergeant Becker for the fifth time verbally, and now we're writing the LOR, and it has nothing to do with the fact that she's a white female and I'm a black male. It's the fact that, hey, we've tried these other routes. We've tried doing this. So the, the big push that I'm trying to, trying to get my guys, at least in my unit, is to say, hey, look, you need to take the time to learn your member, learn their background, learn where they're coming from, learn what works for them, what doesn't work for them as far as, you know, the whole reward systems, you know, learn their values, learn, you know, learn if it's a, if it's a big task for them to wake up and come to work because they have struggles going on or whatever the case may be. And don't focus so much on the paperwork. A command chief said it, you know, great. Let's look at the reason why we're writing the paperwork in the first place. Uh, and remember, it's a corrective tool. It's a corrective action. It's not the path to start getting folks out. So we're really trying to help get that message out there that, yes, obviously, we, we have this duty to collect the information, the demographic, demographic information, but let's make sure that we're also taking the time to get our supervisors to know their airmen and to help their airmen through whatever it is and not just jump to the corrective tool versus, you know, sitting down with them and saying, hey, how do we get to yes? You know, you, you've had this issue had this correction how do we get to yes and of course they threw it out there with the with the you know catch all that hey there are some things that you know obviously definitely need addressing right away you know certain actions if they happen that we our hands are not tied automatically but kind of like hey we, we need to have at least a, a documented paperwork on the fact that hey you know there's inappropriate comments and they are substantiated through a cdi or something like that right so you know, just the push to make sure that, you know, I think we as mental health techs understand because we see a lot of the, the aftermath of that when people come into our clinic and it's like, hey, I keep getting written up and nobody's talking to me about this. I don't understand why. And there's three sides of every story. But at the same time, let's make sure that we're helping our folks, you know, our supervisors and to get to know our airmen and making sure that we're taking that time with them. So that was just the first thing that kind of popped to my mind whenever you asked me about that, Sergeant Buger. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, because there have been some questions about um, that rolling down the pike. Um, I think it's ultimately a good thing, but it's always good to remember, always remember the why. Yeah. And the bigger question is, what are they going to do with all that data down the line? So, um, but anyways, so enough about that. Let's jump into Airman, uh, Airman Hayes here. So let, let's jump right into it, ma'am. Take us, where are you from? Uh, how and how you came to be in the Air Force? So I am originally from Texas. I grew up in a really small town, uh, about 200 people, uh, called Anderson. And I was in high school with this idea that I'm going to go to college and get a degree and go on about my life. And then I realized you have to pay for college, and it's not free, and it's not easy to get scholarships all the time. So um after I realized I don't have scholarships I made the decision to join the Air Force for education purposes but um now that I'm in I've just realized how much more opportunity there is being in the military than just education so uh yeah awesome and you said you've been in around two a little over two years right two years mm -hmm. yeah and you came in open general. I think the majority of our field right now is that way. Um, yeah. And then, so how do you like our field? 
So I came in open. Uh, I told my recruiter that I did not want a medical job and I was not going in medical whatsoever. Then I landed uh, mental health at basic, which honestly I didn't really know what to expect with, but I absolutely love the career field. I'm very passionate about it and I, I honestly enjoy what I do every day. So um, I definitely uh, love where I'm at right now. Awesome. And to not get too much further without highlighting some of your, your reel here, you've gotten BTZ, you've gotten a trusted care hero of the month. Um, you've gotten a squadron airman of the quarter. And then for 2020, you were your med groups airman of the year. So you, you took the, you hit the ground running. So what are some of the things um, in clinic that uh, you've focused on? So when I came in, uh, I didn't, coming in as an airman, you, you have these like expectations in your work environment, but to succeed, you kind of have to go beyond those things. So I definitely found good mentors and guidance. Um, I talked to people who've also um, have been very successful in the career field. Uh, one of my previous NCOs, she definitely helped me get to where I am, just giving me tips and advice and uh, definitely surrounding yourself with the, the same people who have the same perspective and um, goals definitely helps get to where you want to be, so we were talking offline beforehand, you're, you're involved with, um, it was called the Oasis Council? Yes, so uh, the Oasis is chaplain funded uh, Oasis, uh, Airman Council. It's mainly for the airmen who live in the dorms. It, it provides them with leadership opportunities, uh, ways to network and meet new people, and then um, just volunteer opportunities in general. So we do a lot of, of things for the airmen, and that's honestly how I've I've learned to guide other people and provide for them. And I've met a lot of people through that. And I'm very appreciative for it because it definitely gave me a perspective on like what I want to do in the military. So I really enjoy that. It's awesome. So just highlighting the fact that you've got airmen of the med group in the year 2020, that's kind of been showing it's the year of public health and the year of COVID vaccinations and all that kind of stuff for mm -hmm. folks. Um, so what do you think made you stick out? Um, what were some of the things, like you are just talking about the council and things like that. It's kind of hard to volunteer during this time. So what did you do to, to kind of outshine? So I, honestly, every opportunity I saw, I jumped on it. Uh, as far as like volunteering or just things that I, I felt like would make an impact. I did two food banks last year uh, during COVID uh, for the Phoenix area. Uh, that was probably the most like impactful thing I feel like I did. Um, and then with the Oasis, like being an airman in the dorms, it can be very hard and difficult uh, to find new friends and meet new people, especially when you're in a new area and you don't know anyone. Um, and I can't imagine living in the dorms with COVID uh, on top of that. So with the Oasis, I, we would like coordinate hikes and things to do like outside with the COVID precautions. So people are still being able to network and um, build those relationships. Uh, that definitely uh, made it, I feel like I made an impact on airmen. 
uh, just being able to find those good friends. With um, with with the job, and I know you said that this wasn't kind of like your first uh, your first choice coming in, um, but what is kind of like what's kind of stuck to you as far as doing the job? And you know, when you wake up in the morning, you're like, "Hey, I'm going to the clinic." What kind of you feel is like your driving factor to do the job? I'd say my driving factor would be, I honestly talking to people. Uh, I'm very sociable, and before I joined, I was not that person. I would not go walk up to someone and start a conversation with them. But uh, being in this career field has definitely opened up like who I feel like I really am, and uh, I honestly love waking up every morning and like I have the opportunity to to talk to people, and even like as a technician, you're you're not necessarily providing that therapy, right? But you get to see inside someone else's life and the things they're experiencing. And uh, it just gives a lot of perspective on what people go through day to day. So I like, I'm very glad I get to have the opportunity to see that. So like I said, you, you came in, you hit the ground running. You're, you're a hard charger for sure. Um, where are you hoping that your career takes you in mental health or otherwise? So I, uh, it changes day to day. Um, I, I have an idea of what I want to do and I know I'm passionate about helping others and talking to people and uh, just being able to provide like a better quality of life to others. Uh, I want to commission, and I don't know if that's going to be either in the mental health career field or potentially becoming a chaplain. Um, I just know that I, I love the counseling aspect of things. I just don't know if that my calling is for a spiritual aspect or so like more so a clinical aspect. So speaking on that, um, I, I know that you and I talked a little bit about that, right? Like, hey, which angle do I want to help folks at? And we talked mm -hmm. about, um, you know, a few of the uh, roles outside of the clinic that also allow you to, to help not just network, but also help people, you know, such as like, you know, FTAC, NCOIC, being an airman and dorm uh, and, and ADL, being an airman and dorm leader um, or airman and dorm manager. Um, what about, um, have, have, have you talked to anybody about like the embedded technician role? Like kind of how that, you know, has anybody talked to you about that? Kind of like the, the path of the, our career field and how we're kind of going from the model outside of the clinic and actually in units? So I've, I've heard about it here and there. Uh, I don't know like if it's actually going to happen or not. Um, but as far from what I've heard, we're going to be embedded into units eventually and we're just going to be available for them. So they're not coming to us. We're just there for them. Do you think that kind of piques your interest in that, Hey, you're kind of out of the, I guess the med group culture, so to speak. And now you'd be attached to like, you know, let's say, uh, you know, an operational unit that's, you know, has a mission flying, uh, flying a certain aircraft or potentially, uh, you know, a unit that's focused on fixing that aircraft or maybe like a CE unit or an LRS unit Would that, does that, you know, interest you at all? Yes, I, I definitely, I like the idea of it because we are going to be available for them and we, we would understand their culture better and just get an insight of what they're going through and experiencing. So I feel like it would honestly 
have a overall better impact on the Air Force if we would do something like that. Um, and maybe people won't be so um, scared of us, I guess, because mental health does have a stigma, but I feel we would be more approachable in that aspect. So when you get to the, the staff sergeant, tech sergeant rank, um, is that some, um, I guess it would probably depend on where you're at in your career and your potential commissioning, if you're gonna volunteer for one of those slots as they, as they trickle down and keep creating more and more opportunities. Um, with, uh, the KDAC, have you been working toward your KDAC? So I have not started working in ADAPT yet. Um, honestly, I can't wait because I like the idea of like being able to have my own patients and be able to see the entire like process of that. But um, I've, I mean, I've sat in on ADAPT trainings and everything of that nature, but I have not actually got to start working on my KDAC. Well, and it sounds like you guys have a pretty decent sized clinic there as well too. So um, mm -hmm. I, that's, yeah. that's a negative thing by any means, but I think that's awesome that you're starting in on, on, you know, like you said, the training and learning the ropes and everything, because um, at least from my, my perspective, whenever um, uh, prior to, to chief Foreman, whenever chief Moore would talk about the, the foundation for being embedded tech, it was that key piece of having your KDAC and learning that autonomy, because eventually once you're embedded um, you know, that is the, the main purpose is, Hey, you are, you are doing your own thing and getting out there and helping folks out. Um, so one of the things I kind of want to know about uh, is take me to the, the, on the Facebook post when they had the, um, they had the one award, the trusted care hero. How did you, what, what happened there? How did that get a, how did that, you know, how did you earn that? So I was doing a, a telephone triage um, and the patient I was on the phone with was endorsing, having hallucinations, delusions, um, and hearing, hearing voices in her head, and she had SI. So I staffed with the provider, and the provider wanted to book a, um, the next take appointment available. I didn't really feel comfortable with that uh, because we didn't really assess for weapons. There, it, just, it didn't sit right with me um, for just coming in maybe next couple of days because a lot can happen in a couple of days. So I went to one of my NCOs. I told them the situation. I ended up talking to um, my flight chief and flight commander, and we went ahead and had the patient come in the same day and get assessed. So with that, um, that's how I got to care here of the month. That's awesome on so many levels. One, um, it's awesome that your, 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 it sounds like your whole flight as a, as a whole is uh, working toward that, you know, zero harm, that patient safety goal, zero harm, um, that, you know, it, we are constantly <laughs> being, you know, preached to about mm -hmm. everything like that. And that it, it's a safe space for you to, you know, be like, hey, um, use those patient safety tools, the like the call out rule and all that kind of stuff. So, mm -hmm. That's awesome on your on your leadership for you know not just being like hey your technician like the provider mm -hmm. said that um, and then it's awesome on you that you know you recognize that I'm comfortable with this um, and you cussed right you used everyone's favorite 
have a concern. I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) This is a safety issue. No, but this is, uh, these are the examples that I love um, because it's literally showing the tools that everybody thinks are so trivial um, actually working. And it's awesome that your leadership was open to listening to you and that you were, you were, you you feel comfortable enough to, to bring that up as well. So awesome. Thank you. Um, uh, did they make it, or um, that was for your med group, right? The trusted care hero? Yes, that was, yes, that was for the med group. That's awesome. Mental health doesn't, it's always weird. Uh, we don't always get recognized for those things, but <laughs> awesome. So um, Switching gears, kind of whenever, so you came in pretty recently, right? You came in back in 2019, is that correct? Yes, January 2019 is when I joined. Okay, take take us through, uh, take us through basic training. It's been a while for both of us. What? How was that? So it, honestly, I loved basic. I, I sound crazy for saying that, but it was an amazing experience. Of course, I wasn't going through during COVID, so I'm sure it's changed a little bit, uh, but I'm from Texas, so I rode the bus there for MEPS, and, uh, you know, it's, you get the jitters, and you're like, I really don't know what's going to happen. You get off the bus, and you're like, okay, and then the yelling just starts. It just, it all starts, and you just got to, you just got to take it and keep your head down and just keep going, um, but I will say uh, it definitely helped me grow, like, confidently in myself and how to be a leader. Uh, and taking leadership roles in basic, it's very nerve wracking, but it's probably one of the most like rewarding things you could do at basic. Um, being able to help lead, you know, however many girls or, you know, a PTL. It was, it was really nice, like getting to know new people and it was definitely a culture shock coming from a very small town, but uh, it was honestly an amazing experience. And um, the relationship you build with your MCIs, it's, it's very strange because you think they hate you at first and that they're out to get you, but going through the weeks, you, you realize like they're doing what's best for you and you, you grow in a wonderful relationship with them. And um, I, I really thank my MCIs for like helping me grow into my military career. So um, yes, it was an amazing experience. And then I found out my job like I think a week before I left um, to go to tech school. So um, just the unknown, it's like, okay, what's going to happen next? Because I came in open, of course. So I find out a week before, you know, you get to see your family and uh, it's probably one of the most emotional moments in your life. And I look back now and I'm like, I'm so silly for crying because, you know, it's just, it's a wonderful experience. But you go to tech school. Um, luckily, I got to be with some of the girls in my flight. They were mental health as well. They came in open. So I had the same girl. She slept next to me at basic. She was my roommate at tech school. You know, we were best friends. Uh, and then there's a couple of the girls that were mental health as well. So I got to go through all of that with them. And it was honestly amazing. The, the friendships you build uh, going through all of those experiences, it's, you're never going to find those anywhere else. And tech school was a lot of fun as well. You have to stay motivated. 
you have to surround yourself with people who have the same ideas and like um, aspirations as you because some people go there and they're like oh I have more freedom now like let me spend this time doing what I want and you can't just do whatever you want you need to stay focused and you have to you have to set goals for yourself if you want to be successful and I, I had good people around me to do that so I, I definitely think all the, the friendships I had because they shared the same the same mindset as I did so it definitely helped me uh, go through tech school and it's very important I would say um, building those relationships with people uh, you it's good to have a social network uh, just going through all of that because it's it's a very physically and mentally demanding um, you know journey at first and having those people with you, it definitely helps because you're sharing that experience with them. So um, I would say the most impactful thing for me is just my social uh, networks that I've created. It, yeah. One of the, I, I, absolutely, you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, you got to have your circle, circle of trust, people that you go to, right? I, I have a, a solid mm -hmm. group of five or six, you know, different little circles or people that I go to for different things, or sometimes the same thing, just to see if I'm, I'm getting the right kind of way ahead. So I absolutely agree with you. One of the things that has changed again for us and to, to a lot of folks over the last couple of years has been that phase two piece of mental health training in tech schools. So what was that like? What was your phase two like? So the clinical aspect of things, is that what you're talking about? Yes, ma'am. So we had the option to either go um, to the VA or a homeless shelter in um, San Antonio. So I got to go to the VA and it was the most coolest experience ever, especially because I've never been exposed to that kind of environment before. Um, I got to work inpatient and I also got to do a group setting of PHP. So seeing that gave a, a whole new perspective on like what the career field entails and of course I'm not working inpatient right now but just to have that idea of what it's like is amazing and um, just seeing the different phases of life people are going through uh, whenever I was going there for clinicals was amazing and we um, when we went through it for I think it was our final grade in tech school we had to write our, our soap note over a patient um, of our choice, like whenever we were going through. And it was, it was very interesting to say the least. Yeah, I think um, having that inpatient experience, for, no matter how long or short you, you get that experience, mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of gratif gratifying things you take from it. One, you get to see um, there's the, the change that happens when people come in an acute distress or uh, situation and then after a couple of days how they've processed through and things like that mm -hmm. um, and then it really also shows you know when you're working the outpatient setting just how positive of a, an experience it can be for your patient but it also kind of reminds you what they what the, what it's like in there so you might not always mm -hmm. like loss of freedoms and stuff like that so it's it, you know you take that uh, decision or, you, or very seriously when you get to see the other side mm -hmm. yes definitely um, um 
yeah, it's awesome. So do you know anybody that had, uh, were you able to talk to anybody that um, did the, the homeless shelter experience? Yes. So one of my friends, she got to go to the homeless shelter. They got to wear civilian clothes. I was very jealous, but they got to go in regular clothes. And um, I believe from what I, from what she told me, uh, they had like um, housing there for the homeless and um, they would just go up and talk to people. It was very, she said it was very uh, easy to approach people there. It, they would approach you, you know, um, cause they, they don't know, like that's a military member, you know, because we're all, they're all in civilians. But uh, I think a lot of the individuals that were there were under intoxic, like they were intoxicated or they were using uh, drugs. So yeah, I, I'm sure it was a lot different than my experience, but uh, she had some interesting stories uh, whenever she would come back and tell us things. So, yeah. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm sure that's just a, uh, just a whole kind of world of difference right there. You know what I mean? Especially when you talk about mental health. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's something that, you know, maybe we mm-hmm. hear about, you know, airmen coming in, having, you know, homeless experience beforehand, but it's not something that we too often see in the actual service. Um, although, you know, you do hear stories here and there about how people are having hard times while they're in the service. So, um, man, that's, I think that's fantastic that you, that there's that, um, that phase two piece and you guys have that clinical, uh, experience that way. It's not just classroom and you're practicing with your fellow students and then boom, here's the clinic. Mm -hmm. You know, you get your training plan kind of deal, right? There's an actual training environment in there. So I'm sure that that was, you know, a nice, maybe refreshing to be like, okay, this is what we're going to be doing kind of deal, right? Yeah. Um, it kind of puts, especially being at the VA, like it put an idea what like a group setting looks like and how, you know, how therapy works. So, yes. So let me ask you this, since, since you've joined, you know, whether it's basic tech school or being at your first base, what do you think has been kind of like one of the biggest hurdles that you've had since joining the military or challenges? I would say arriving at my first duty station was probably the largest um, hurdle for me just because going through basic nobody knows nobody so of course everyone's going they're, they're finding their people and they're networking and we you know we're forced to sleep next to each other we're waking up we're showering with each other so it was very easy to make friends like that and then I had my friends from basic go to tech school with me I had these people with me the entire way and um, you know I lived I went straight from high school so I've never really like been on my own and coming to Luke, it's like, okay, here's your dorm. This is your job. And going from a training setting to like, okay, you're an adult now. You got to live your life and you got to show up to work every day. And you don't always have someone telling you what to do. So that was a very hard experience for me. Um, and just not knowing people, uh, it was really hard for me to find my people and network. But um, that's probably one of the most amazing things about being in mental health is like, you get to learn how to talk to people. And um, it's definitely like opened my eyes to uh, how to just be yourself around others. And um, I definitely am very appreciative for knowing, like growing in myself through this career field, because I I feel like that's how I've met a lot of people um, and made really good friendships. But I would say 
moving on my own and being able to like accommodate to an entire new environment was probably the largest hurdle for me. So. I'm having flashbacks <laughs> when you talk about because <laughs> um, uh, I came in at 18, or, you know, out of high school. Right, mm -hmm. Becker. What's that? Sorry. You came in at 18, right? Also. Uh, I took a, a, a self-hiatus oh, right after high school and uh, had a failed attempt at college. So yeah, I, I joined uh, when I was 19. And I stepped foot. Uh, the day after I stepped foot in tech school, I turned 20. So kind of similar. Yeah. yeah. So the day after I turned or the day I turned 20 was the second day of um, in route to Iraq. So a little bit different. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Just a little bit, but um, anyway, when you were talking about that, um, yeah, I was, I was thinking back to that as well. That That is a very difficult, you know, to show up never living on your own before. Um, fortunately, there there was that dorm stepping stone <laughs> um, thrown in there. Yeah. Um, I, I was not mental health uh, when I came in. So I, I, I see where you, the, the skills that we get from this field probably helped you. <laughs> so that's awesome. Definitely. Yeah. And, and even just going through that experience myself of like, oh my gosh, like, how do I meet people? How do I make friends? Now, when I see people, new people come in, um, like for the Oasis, we go brief FTAC every week. I make sure like I talk to at least like three to five people, um, just let them know like what's going on and, you know, exchange numbers, just let them know that there's people there for you. And like, you always have someone there because it's very hard feeling like you're alone coming into a new environment. Um, but yeah, it definitely made me realize like, I can be there for other people, so it definitely sounds like this career field suits you, <laughs> you and your personality. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, you know, on the, on that note, I know you kind of talked a little bit about the future with, you know, Hey, maybe commissioning, maybe trying to figure out in what way that I want to uh, continue to serve and help people. Um, you had an awesome 2020 and uh, I, I think that's fantastic, man. I, I hope that that level of success not only continues for you, but also spreads to your teammates. Right. And, and hopefully, you, mm -hmm. know, they, you know, they can do whatever they can to, um, to keep up with you. Um, but what, what's on the horizon for 2021 for you? Uh, so I'm currently studying to test for staff. Um, I'm really hoping that I will be able to make it and uh, going to school. I'm going to continue going to school. Uh, I'm working towards my CCA right now until I figure out uh, what exactly I'm going to be majoring in. Um, but even with like everything that I've gone through and like what my mentors have provided for me, I want to be able to do that for other people as well. So like as new airmen come in or like, uh, even in the clinic or like with the Oasis, I want to be able to show them what I did and provide them with the same resources that I was provided. So I just hope to help help others grow as well in 2021. Awesome, man. Yeah. And, and I think you're at a great place to kind of, like you said, kind of just share your experience with them and, um, and what, you know, kind of what had you, what success you have found through, you know, kind of what you've been doing. So I think that's fantastic. Um, selfishly, I'm sure Sergeant Buecher and I both hope that you stay in the mental health career field because I think you would be. <laughs> we need you. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, that that's awesome. That like you said, you're figuring out on hey, where's that next step for me? So it sounds like no matter what you mm -hmm. do, you continue to help people. So I think that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. um, so one of the questions too we we always ask is you know hey if there was something that you could go back and tell yourself before you joined basic training what would that thing be? Oh, that's a good question. Um, we try not to ask bad ones. <laughs> Let me think about that. If I were to tell myself something before I joined basic, uh, hmm. Mine, uh, man. Mine's always don't volunteer. Probably to just don't volunteer for what? I said don't vol volunteer to be chow runner. That's always my advice. I got stuck doing chow runner. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I would just, yeah, that definitely uh, try to stay away from chow runner, but it definitely boosts your confidence once you get it down for sure. Um, and then I was going to say practice uh, doing the, what's it called, the bed folds before you join because I struggle with that a lot. But in all seriousness, I would say just be confident. Um, I know that it's easier said than done, but I, I came in with very, not low self-esteem, but I was very like self-doubtful. Um, but it's, it's basic. You're there to grow. You're there to learn. You're going to get yelled at. So just do it with the fullest potential you have, because if you if you go in and you're second guessing yourself, um, it's not going to go like the best. You're, you're probably going to get yelled at a little more and um, just being yourself and working to the best of your ability. Solid advice. Definitely. Quick question about those bed folds, though. Do they still got those beds? <laughs> tear up your knuckles I still got scars on my knuckles yes. yes I remember my knuckles bleeding I don't want to scare anyone but <laughs> yes it, yep. it was it was not the best experience but um it definitely helped me uh grow like with team building and working together because I could not I could not fold a bed by myself so you definitely have to work with others on that well I will say um your maturity level and your ability to reflect and and see the bigger picture in that with the confidence um with the teamwork and things is far beyond your years for sure i definitely was not there uh two years <laughs> military um, and so it is it's awesome to see um you know uh, you you and all the success that you've um already had you're definitely gonna do really well um in in the air force so thank you yeah thank you so much for your time today uh i don't know if you have anything else that you want to share or if there's anything maybe that we missed but um man i really appreciate you taking time and kind of you know jumping on board with this short notice um, and we definitely you know we definitely want to get more airmen on the, on the podcast to share their experience, share their stories. Um, so if, you know, if, you know, spread the word out there, um, uh, for those folks listening to, uh, if you have any questions for us or for airman Hayes, you know, drop them in the comments, you can always shoot Sergeant Buker and I are a private message if you have any questions, but, um, anything else, airman Hayes? No, I think that's it. 
thank you so much for having me on here. Thank you so much for coming on and best of best of luck in everything you do. I'm sure we'll be seeing your name come across that Facebook page with some more accolades and, and good things. <laughs> oh yeah. We look forward to seeing your name on that release in August. So hope you have a good rest of your weekend. <laughs> Thank you. You guys too.